confident in Jesus. Father, we're thankful this morning that you are faithful. Beyond our understanding, beyond our comprehension, beyond our faithfulness, God, you are faithful. We depend on you. We need you. God, we pray today that you would give us what we need, even if it's not what we think we want. Because we trust you. We believe you. You, oh God, are faithful. You're just, you're perfect, and we need more of you today. Minister in this house according to the needs that you see in people's lives. Cause this word, God, to be anointed and to touch those exactly where they need to be educated, strengthened, and encouraged today. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Go ahead. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Welcome, 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 welcome. You can be seated in the presence of the Lord if you're able to this morning. Thank you for being here. Thanks to those that are watching online. We appreciate you very much. We know that you've got other options, things you could have been doing today, and you choose to worship with us. Uh, means a lot to us. Before I get started, I want to encourage you to, I know some of you have probably already been, I've reached out to people and asked them to be praying, but I'm sure some of you have been praying, and I just want to draw your attention to it, those of you that don't know. Um, we have passed the deadline date of when we were supposed to sell the property, and uh, it's because of legalities, paperwork, and things that need changed in the deeds, and we've come up to another deadline which is June 2nd so that's not this Wednesday but the following Wednesday at 11 o'clock in the morning there will be a hearing at the court and a judge is going to make the final determination and we really need this to go in our favor we really need uh, to sell this property it, it's it's incredibly expensive trying to keep two places going it's incredibly that place is going downhill very quickly uh, we really need this to happen uh, to, to be postponed would mean another who knows, six, seven, eight more months out. Uh, it's, it's just, it, we need it to happen. We're believing God for it to happen. We're, we're, not, we're not accepting a plan B uh, in this. It's, it's made it this far, and why would it make it this far just to unravel now? So be praying for the next, I've asked people, for the next, uh, what, 11 days, would you just dedicate a portion of your day every day to ask God to move? We need favor with the judge. We need favor with the court. And the ultimate judge is sitting on the throne in heaven, and, and he has the final say-so in every matter, so we take our petitions to him, amen? So we've already paid for a lawyer, we've paid a retainer fee, we've asked uh, him to do that. He's, he's made all the necessary arrangements, but we are coming up against some resistance. Some of the neighbors are saying some things and, and trying to fight it. and So, so please be asking God to, to move on our behalf so we can finally move on from that and go full steam ahead in the new direction that we are in. Amen to God. So this morning, I'm going to take my text out of 1 Kings chapter 19. If you have your Bibles, and if you don't have a Bible, there'll be a big one on the wall behind my head. And 1 Kings chapter 19, I'm going to begin this morning talking about two men that you are familiar with, two prophets, Elisha and Elijah. I'm going to be moving from there to two men that you are probably familiar more with one than the other, David and Jonathan. 
And from there, we're going to go to the garden where we're going to talk about Eve and a snake in a tree. I'm still doing the series that I have been doing for the past several months. I'm better than this. This morning's message is one that I have contemplated on and talked about in myself and my spirit and talked to God about many times over because this is one of those subjects that you don't know is holding you back from being better than this. This is one of the things that is operating in every life of every person sitting in this room and it's either helping you, assisting you, or it's holding you back, hindering you. So I'm praying, and I've been praying, that God will help me preach this as an enlightenment. So I probably won't run the aisles and swing from chandeliers, but it won't make the word any less effective. As a matter of fact, in the words of that famous theologian, Jerry Reed, i got a long way to go in a short time to get there. I'm going to try to keep myself confined to my notes so that I get there on time. 1 Kings chapter 19, beginning with the 19th verse. So Elijah went... And found Elisha, son of Saphat, plowing a field. Pay attention. There were 12 teams of oxen in the field, and Elisha was plowing with the 12th team. He found Elisha, number 12. That means he sat through 11 other teams. He's looking for somebody specific. When you're going to make a relationship with somebody, you don't need any Tom, Dick, or Harry. You need to have some standards. You need to be waiting on somebody specific. So he waited for the 12th team. Elijah went over to him and threw his cloak across his shoulders and then walked away. Elisha left the oxen standing there, ran after Elijah and said to him, First let me go kiss my father and mother goodbye and then I will go with you. Elijah said, and I want this to set in your spirit for a moment this morning, Go on back, but don't forget what I did. Don't forget what I have offered to impart to you. Don't forget what I have seen in you that nobody else saw in you. They had you number 12 in a field. I'm about to call you out and make you number one. Don't, don't, don't forget what I have done to you. And verse 21 is where I'm going to begin my message this morning. So Elisha returned to his oxen and slaughtered them. He used the wood from the plow to build a fire to roast their flesh. He passed around the meat to the townspeople, and they all ate. Then he went with Elijah as his assistant. Elijah calls Elisha. Elisha goes back and breaks up his plow, his source of income, kills his oxen and burns everything. Why in the world would this man who just met Elijah give up everything? Why would he burn his plow, break up his income, destroy his 401k, kill his oxen to go follow this man? And what is the symbolism of the fact that he went and destroyed it? Couldn't he just walk away? Peter just left his boat. Ah. But every time things started going away, Peter didn't feel comfortable with, Peter went back to the boat. Elisha destroyed what was behind him, so he had nothing left to go back to. 
There will become a time in Elisha's walk with Elijah where there would be a natural pull back to the old things. There would be a pull back to his decisions he made before. There would be a, 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 a thing that would be trying to draw him back to what he used to do and who he used to be. But if he destroys what is behind him, he don't have nothing to run back to. Elijah will be taking him places and showing him things and making demands on him that he's not necessarily going to want to do. He understood that in order for him to go forward, he had to make up his mind to never go backwards. See, I want to talk to you this morning about relationship. And what I wanted to stress to you this morning about Elisha and Elijah is this. When you have the right people in your life, I'm going to say it again. When you have the right people in your life, you can find folks on every street corner. You need the right people in your life. And when you have the right people, it'll be very crystal clear that they're the right ones. Because they will challenge you to be better than this. They will challenge you to leave the old past in the old past and to go to something that is better than that. And by the way, the right folks ain't always the comfortable folks. They're not always rubbing you down and patting you up and kissing you on the cheek and saying, baby, it'll be okay. Sometimes they are looking you dead in the eye, squaring their shoulders and saying, you are better than that. Sometimes it is not comfortable to be around grow people because grow people requires pain and strength and endurance. And if you are keeping the right company, they won't just be there when he breaks your heart so they can give you a shoulder to cry on. I know some of y'all think that's all y'all need in a BFF, but I'm here to tell you, you need somebody that'll look you in your eyes and say, you are better than this. You are making poor decisions. You are making choices that does not line up with your destiny. And somehow, someway, I gotta show you who you really are see people that are grow people they don't care if you're comfortable they care that you are growing and some people are a shoulder for you to cry on but they don't push you to your purpose they don't push you to your destiny when you got the right people in your life one of life's most important principles will be very very clear to you one of the most important principles that people overlook all the time is this the people that you allow into your life means a great deal about where you are heading. If you ain't going nowhere, let anybody speak to you. Let anybody be part of your life. But if you're going somewhere, you need the right folks to help you get there. You don't believe me. Some of y'all are looking at me like I just made this up, so let me show you word. Proverbs chapter 13 and verse 20. Walk with the wise. Stop right there. Walk with the wise. Don't say crawl. Don't say run. It don't say just hang out, rub shoulders with. Walk with the wise and become wise. Doesn't say a thing about studying their mannerisms. Doesn't say a thing about reading the same books they read. It just says if you walk with them, you'll become wise. Hold on to that thought. I'll be back to it. Associate with fools and get in trouble. When he talks about wise people, he mentions walking with them. 
Look at the scripture. But when he talks about fools, he uses a different word. He says associate. He didn't say if you walk with wise, you'll be wise, and if you walk with fools, you'll be fools. No, no, no. He said if you walk with wise, you'll become wise. If you associate, if you DM a fool, if you text a fool, you ain't got to be walking with them for fools to make you foolish. Y'all ain't going to help me at all. But if you walk with the wise, because you know why? Wise folk are going somewhere. And so if you're going to become wise and, and walk with wisdom, you're going to move because wisdom don't stand still. That's what fools do. Fools are the 48-year-olds that are still living in their mama's basement, still smoking weed on the back porch because they ain't never had a job. They ain't never done nothing. They ain't never going nowhere, and you think that that's your honey boo-boo. Let me set something straight this morning. You can do better than this. If they ain't got no auntie in your life, if you ain't got no mama, if you ain't got no daddy to look you in the eye, let pastor do it this morning. You are better than that, and you ought to pick yourself up and move on. I, yeah, this is going to be tough this morning. Listen to what he says. He said, if you're walking with wise, you're going somewhere, and you will gain wisdom by walking with them. But if you associate with a fool, you ain't moving because fools don't go nowhere. They just keep going around the same mountain, facing the same turmoil, and if you associate with them, guess where you at? They're in the hog pen. Go ahead, jump on in. You, you might as well get used to eating corn husk and liking to feel a mud between your toes because you ain't going nowhere either. When you, leave your, when you leave your plow to follow somebody, you better make sure that the folks you are leaving your plow for is worth leaving it for. There's two options if you're going to leave your plow. Elisha was in the field doing what he was called to do, and he left his plow to follow Elijah. Some of you have left your plows. But I want to paint a picture for you this morning and ask you a question. Who'd you leave your plow for? Because some of you have left your plow to follow the wise, and some of you left your plow to associate with fools. I want to break down what both of that looks like this morning. First of all, when you leave your plow to walk with the wise, you'll look like David and Jonathan. In 1 Samuel chapter 17, a very famous story takes place. David kills a giant named Goliath. The Bible says that after that happened, the whole Philistine army got defeated. And Saul, Saul saw what David was capable of, and he wouldn't let him go back home to his daddy's house. He said, I want you to stay right here with me because you're a giant slayer. 1 Samuel chapter 18, verse 1, after David had finished talking with Saul, pay attention to this, he met Jonathan, the king's son. There was an immediate bond between them. Hello. For Jonathan loved David. His life was bound up, knitted together, is what the King James says, knitted together with David, with Jonathan. Verse 2. From that day on, Saul kept David with him and wouldn't let him return home. Verse 3 says this, And Jonathan made a solemn pact with David because he loved him like he loved himself. He made a solemn pact with David because he loved him like he loved himself. In other words, when you start getting into areas of intimacy in relationships, 
It costs you something. That's why you can't be BFFs with everybody on your friends list. You, uh, there is not enough of you to give away. There's not enough of you to go around. David and Jonathan met each other and instantly their souls connected and they became more than just casual acquaintances. The Bible says their souls were bound together. And how does that even happen? I'm glad you asked. You hear me say all the time that you need to be careful who you spend time with. And I'm going to say it again because some of you don't know me. You need to choose carefully who you spend time with. Because the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 33 that bad company ruins or corrupts good character. So I am your daddy and I bring you to church your whole life. I teach you good character. You hang out with the wrong company and bad company corrupts your good character. Mm. Proverbs chapter 12 and verse 26 says the righteous should choose his friends carefully for the way of the wicked leads them astray. I thought the righteous was being led by the Lord. The Bible says if you delight yourself in the Lord, He will direct your path. So if you are the righteous, how are you being led astray? Because you don't realize the impact other folk have into your life. You think all you got to do is declare, I love Jesus, or I go to church on Sunday, and everything is hunky-dory. But you need to choose who you spend time with. You become who you hang around. You know that, right? I ain't going to tell you the true that story. But I have noticed that I've lived on both extremes of this state. I was born in the very southern county in West Virginia. I now live and pastor in the very northern county in West Virginia. And I have noticed that there are two different dialects of the same state. When I go home, they say, ooh, listen to Mr. Fancy. Because, you know, I do, I do uh, real educated things. Like I say Ohio instead of Ohio, which is what it is back home. And I go home and I say, oh, we went over to Ohio. Oh, Ohio, listen to Mr. Fancy. Same state, different dialects. And the longer I'm here, the less I sound like where I came from. Now, I still get it here, too. I just got it yesterday. You ain't from around here, are you? Because I've not yet totally taken on the vernacular system of this region, but also when I go home, they notice that I don't talk like them anymore because the longer I'm out of there and the longer I'm in this new place, I've left the old thing. Y'all ain't going to help me. But if I go home and spend any time around my kin, what they sound like starts coming out my mouth. And I start listening to my hillbilly roots to show up again. Because who I'm around influences me. I wish I had a Bible to throw at somebody this morning. Who you are around rubs off on you. It shows up in small things like speech. Don't you think it's going to show up in big things like decision and destiny and purpose? 
even your income. The, they, 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 they've done studies. Your income will be within 10 to 15% of your 5 to 10 closest friends. Which means that people who associate with other people who make decent money start making decent money. Why? Because you start thinking like they think. You start seeing what's possible. You start, you start communicating with people who moved out of their mama's basement and made some good life decisions. You start seeing the world like they see the world. But can I tell you that the opposite is also true? Can I tell you, if you spend a whole lot of time with somebody who never believes anything good happens to them, they're always the victim, they're doomed, they're being held back, you start seeing the world in a fatalistic viewpoint too if you hang around those people. If you hang around divorced folk, their reasoning will start rubbing off on you. You'll be mad at your husband, he didn't do nothing wrong. You listen to why they got divorced, you'll go home and start making your own excuses. Y'all not going to help me. If you hang out with people that have questionable morals, they'll start making sense to you. Listen, if you spend your time around folk that are into debauchery and no good, and you listen to why they do it and the reasoning behind it, it'll start sounding right. And before you know it, you're doing what they're doing, even though you know better. You need to understand what every relationship is in your life because they don't all hold equal value, therefore they should not all hold equal influence. Besides a stranger that you don't know at all, there's basically three levels. There's a few nuances, but there's basically three levels of relationships. One is called an acquaintance. Now, you got a lot of acquaintances. Acquaintances are simply a result of circumstances. We go to the same church together. I don't really know your name, but I smile and you look friendly. Or maybe our kids play on the same baseball team. Or maybe you just live across the street from me. I don't hang out with you. I don't tell you my burdens. If I've had a bad day, I don't go knock on your door and say, I need to talk to somebody. Because I'm not walking with you. I'm not walking with you. I know you. I recognize your face, but I'm not impacting your life, and I ain't about to invite you to impact mine. And above acquaintances is something called a friend. A friend is somebody you got some things in common with, but you're not necessarily intimate with them. You spend time with them, but you have limits as to what you share. You don't give them all the information. You got some friends, you know that you can't trust them as far as you can throw them. I mean, you like them, you hang out with them, but you know that there's a telephone, a telegraph, and a tele-her, and she's going to spread it everywhere. And you know what you can share, and you know that if you overshare, it's coming out to everybody. So you've got friends. Those friends have limitations. And beyond that, you have what David and Jonathan were, what Elijah and Elisha were. These are good friends. These are best friends. These are BFFs. These people are in your life and in your circle of influence because you choose to let them in. And it cannot be everybody that you meet. Because no matter what, these are the people that show up for you. Understand something. 
No matter what, these are the ones that if you need them, they will drop whatever. That You can't say, I know you think everybody loves you and everybody cares equally about you, but can I tell you that that is not the case? You have a very limited amount of people in your life that will literally drop whatever and run to your aid. Now, I'm not talking about folks that expect other people to be mind readers because that's some of you. Well, I did this thing and didn't nobody help me. Well, you didn't tell nobody you were just doing it. You, you think that everybody just drives by your place every day to see if you need something? I'm talking about people that when you need them at 2 a.m., they're going to get out of bed, put their boots on, and show up. They don't care if their hair is in curlers. They don't care if they put no makeup on. They don't care if they got any gas in their tank. They're not going to tell you they ain't got no gas in their tank. If they got a ride to ride and lawnmower, they're going to come to your rescue because these are the people that are invested in you. And some folks, let me just tell you, since nobody else is doing it these days, some folks expect that level of intimacy out of you, but don't return it back to you. And those are the folks you need to tell step. There are people in your life that demand that you be there for them, that you forgive them of everything, that you have this level of intimacy with them, but they don't return that. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, church. I'm better than this. I'm better than just be giving myself to everybody and them dem making demands on me, but don't expect me to make no demands on them. Do you know why your parents freaked out on you when you ran with the wrong people? Because your parents understood something that most of you didn't until it was too late. And that is that your friends will influence where you go in life and how you get there. There are people in prison today, and the only thing they did was choose the wrong friends. There are young women who have STDs and will never be able to have children of their own, and the only thing that she did was choose the wrong friends. If you make the wrong friends and let them have influence in your life, you are the one stuck with the results of the consequences, and you need to value yourself enough to say, I am better than this. You've got acquaintances, you've got friends, and you've got good friends, best friends, and friendship is a covenant. This is why you can't be friends with everybody. Pastor's going to sound very unchristian this morning. But I've lived enough days to know everybody expects the pastor to be their BFF. And there ain't enough of me to go around. Even when I was 60 pounds heavier, wasn't enough of me to go around. There's only so many hours in a day. And by the way, you can't make covenant with everybody. Friendship is a covenant between people. Two people attached together. Friendship, if you want to know what level of friendship you're on, here's the definition. You can always define your level of re relationship by how much of yourself you're willing to give away to keep the relationship going. Because there's a lot of people, I, 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 listen, I've got a talent. I have a spiritual gift that many of you don't have. It's called the gift of goodbye. There's been a lot of times that it doesn't make me sound very spiritual or even Christian. And it certainly doesn't make me sound very pastoral. But there's been a lot of times that it has certainly saved my sanity. Because I used to really get broken up over folks when they used to come tell me they were leaving the church. Or better yet, they wouldn't tell me they was leaving the church. And I'd just show, see them on another church's Facebook page. And I used to get really broken up about it. And I'd lose sleep about it. And I'd cry to God. And I'd cry to my wife. And neither one of them wanted to hear it. 
And I used to really be upset. And become, if, if they did come to me and say they were leaving the church, I'd say, well, what can we do to make you happy? You don't like the volume? We can turn it down. If you don't like the number of songs that we sing, we can cut it back. If I preach too long, I don't know what I can do about that because that's not going to happen. But... And I used to try to acquiesce and make room for folks in my life because I was trying to keep everybody. Some of y'all need this. See, 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 I developed a spiritual gift, which is called the gift of goodbye, which means it's not that I don't care, and it's not that I hope the ill of them. I don't. I'll continue to pray for them. I pray that when they land wherever it is they land, it's better than what I was able to give them because I have the gift of goodbye. When Orpah kissed Naomi, Naomi didn't say, please don't leave me. She let her go because if somebody's willing to kiss you and walk out, you need to be able to say, see ya. The next go around, but I don't need you. Apparently, your chapter of my life has closed, and I'm ready for another chapter. Y'all not going to help me. See, the gift of goodbye is what Jesus told his disciples. If you go into a town and they won't receive you, he said, shake the dust off of your feet and leave them because you can't please everybody. And so some of y'all need to develop the spiritual gift of shaking the dust. Bye-bye. I'll see you. Y'all not going to help me. See, the gift of goodbye is like, oh, you going to leave it's over okay well let me just tell you that i and the, and the more you wave at them the the more exercise you get and the more calories you burn see ya wouldn't want to be ya don't let the door hit you where the lord split you i i got i got stuff to do and i can't be sitting in bed for nine days crying about whether or not you love me on the saint y'all not gonna help me i'm better than this if you don't want to be part of my life, why am I going to try to drag you kicking and screaming into my next chapter? Friendship thrives on sacrifice. Everybody ain't willing to sacrifice for you. Everybody you're willing to sacrifice for ain't willing to sacrifice for you. So you need to realize that you can't, you can give love and not receive love. And you can give to somebody without love but you cannot love without giving <laughs> so, so the more of you that you give to them the more of themselves you receive so be careful who you give room to in your life because you are receiving more of them and some of y'all wonder why your life's the way it is up to this point and I'm going to show you in a moment, I'm going to demonstrate for you. Because your tightest circle of friends has influence over your life. You will start talking like them. You'll watch the movies they watch. You'll develop the same belief systems and the same values. You'll become the same party that they vote for. You'll like the same race car drivers. and You'll like the same basketball players. And you'll like the same kind of music. If they love the Lord, it will rub off on you. If they don't, Guess what's going to happen? And hear me, you can't keep it from happening. The people you make room for in your life is going to impact you. And I know some of y'all are sitting there snubbed up at me saying, you don't know me, I'm strong enough. Really? Because the Bible says, do not be deceived. Do not be deceived. Good company is ruined, or good, bad company ruins good morals. You won't be the one to stretch out enough grace to make it through you are going to become who you spend time with the Bible says and if you don't believe me 
Let's listen to the words of Jesus. John chapter 15 and verse 14. Here's what Jesus said. He said, you are my friends if I have rubbed off on you. You're not, you're not his friend because you got a cross around your neck. Because you got an ichthus fish on your car. Because you joined Promise of Victory. That doesn't make you Jesus' friend. Jesus said, I know you, my friend, because you do what I say. In other words, my commandments has made a mark in your life. It has impacted you. It has changed the way you think. Because you came to me a sinner, and I changed the way you thought about things. You came to me lost and undone, but my words have made a difference in your life. And you used to be this person that did these things, but now you come to church on Sunday, and although you're not perfect, you're trying to do better. And why? Because Jesus said, you hung around me enough that what I think and what I say made a difference in your life. And if Jesus can do it, don't you think that Billy Ray is going to do it? Be careful who you allow to speak into your life. So when you want to get blessed, you ask God for blessing. And God, like Elisha, like David, when he gets ready to bless you, he'll send a person into your life. I'm about to say the most profound thing I'm going to say all morning, so you better hear it. When God gets ready to bless you, he'll send a person to do it. And when the devil gets ready to kill, steal, and destroy, he'll do the same thing. You are responsible for figuring out what they're here for. Because everybody in your life is on a mission. You need to figure out who sent them. Matter of fact, it might just do you some good to look them down in the eye and say, Who sent you here? Was you sent here by the leading of the Holy Ghost? Or do I need to start praying that demon out of you right now? Y'all not going to help me, but I am being as serious as I can right now because everybody that comes into your life is there on a mission. They're either there to push you into your destiny or pull you into their debauchery, and it's up to you to decide whether they go or whether they stay. When you leave your plow to follow the wise, you'll become wise. But when you leave your plow to associate with fools... Something else happens. Jonathan was attached to David. Knit. The relationship, their souls were knit together. On one hand, he was knit to David. On the other hand, he was attached to Saul. Saul was his daddy. Saul was the source of his flesh. Don't miss that. Don't miss that. He was attached to David, but he was also attached to Saul. He walked like Saul, talked like him, thought like his daddy most of his life. He's connected to his daddy through the, his DNA. At the same time, his daddy is not the man he wants to be. His daddy has different morals and different ways of thinking and handles himself in an ungodly way. His values are not to be respected. He doesn't have the same integrity that Jonathan has. David understood Jonathan's heart. David and Jonathan had the same spirit. David and Jonathan were joined on the inside. And there were several occasions, I wish I had time just to do this, 
There were several occasions where Jonathan's flesh connection tried to kill his spirit connection. See, Daddy Saul kept trying to kill David. David is his spirit connection. It's his God connection. There were many times, 17 to be precisely, when Saul, the flesh, tried to kill his connection in the spirit. And the time came when Jonathan was faced on several occasions when his spirit was trying to be assassinated by his flesh that Jonathan protected David. David had made an oath to Jonathan that he would never forsake him even if he was dead. And even as close as they were, after everything they had been through, he loved David, but the time came when he had to make a choice. His flesh connection was headed into battle. And after everything him and David had been through, even as close as they were, he had a decision to make. Dumbest thing Jonathan ever did was go back to Saul. He said goodbye to David, hooked up with his daddy, and Saul was headed to die. And when you associate with fools, harm's going to come to you too. David and Jonathan split up and Jonathan went with his daddy into battle they fought the Philistines they both died Jonathan died first how does this apply to you David was his God connection I know I've been preaching for a minute but can I hold your attention just a little bit longer David was his God connection Saul was his flesh connection. And even though he loved David, he kept going back to this other connection. There are people who come into your life. If you walk with wise, you become wise, but these people ain't taking you nowhere. There's people that come into your life and they are only there and you keep them there not because they're taking you to wisdom, but because they are a source to feed your flesh with. The only thing that they are there for is so you can enter into that place where your flesh gets stronger and you can walk out of your spirit for a little while. And what tears a person apart is when they try to be connected to David and Saul at the same time. Because one day, you're going to have to choose. When you are connected to God and the flesh, when you're connected with this person and the Lord, the moment will come when you will be torn apart by having to decide one has to go so I can keep the other. Elisha burnt everything because he knew if I start this, I can't ever go back. If I start down this road, I have nothing left to go back to. So one day, you're going to have to choose. That's what happened in the garden. Hear me. God created Adam, and him and Adam had a relationship, 
but Adam had no relationship with another human. So Adam's going to need help with his assignment that God gave him. Notice, notice what happened. Notice, all you ladies looking so good this morning, feeling so good. You know why you're here? Because Adam couldn't complete the task by himself. He had an assignment from the Lord that he could not finish by himself. So God creates again. How do I know that? Because the Bible said when he created the second human, he said that she was a helpmate. She was there to help him go through the assignment, the destiny. She was to assist him on reaching his purpose. How many of you have figured out already that in order for you to fulfill your purpose, you're going to need some good godly relationships in your life? Uh-huh. So God creates another relationship, and he does it to help Adam fulfill his destiny. But notice what happens. Notice what happens. God knows that in order for Adam to reach his destiny, he needs relationship. And the devil sees it too. So the devil knows that the way to stop his destiny is to create another relationship. So a snake in a tree starts talking to Eve, which is about to break her godly relationship she has with her husband and with her God. So Eve develops a poisonous relationship to replace the godly one that she just lost. The first thing you need to know about poisonous relationship is that it comes to you in a disguise. This thing took on the form of a snake. I'm going to say that to you again because some of y'all get squirmy when I talk about that. The devil took on the form of a snake. He took on the form of a snake. He took on the form of a snake. The devil, in disguise, looked like a snake. The snake wasn't the devil. He was being used by the devil. And there are some folks in your company that ain't the devil, but you best believe the reason they were sent, they ain't the devil, but they have been used by him to break the godly relationship and inject you with a poisonous relationship because he knows that by relationship you're going to reach your destiny and the way to sidetrack that destiny is to send you a poisonous relationship. So he brings it in disguise. There are people in your life that you need to remove from your life. Not because they are the enemy, but because they are being used by the enemy. And go ahead, look at me in that tone of voice. Some of you self-righteous folks. Because you're already saying, Pastor, I don't think it's very Jesus-like to cut people out of my life. Hmm, really? I, w I wonder if put in the same situation, I wonder what God would do. Oh, wait a minute. I know. Because He told me. The Bible says that in heaven there was a toxic relationship. The Bible says that up in heaven, there was a relationship between God and Lucifer. And Lucifer was trying to take God down. And God said, you ain't got to go home, but you got to get up out of here. 
because our relationship has reached this natural end. And even though I am God and I love all my creation, you have got to leave this place. And so I want to tell all you folks that don't believe it's very Christian to cut folks out of your, your life, that if there is some a relationship with somebody in your life that's trying to take you down, you only have one logical option, and that's to kick them out of your I'm better than this. I'm trying to wake you up to the fact that you are better than that. You shouldn't be taking that mess from anybody. You're better than that. Uh, do you know how to tell the difference between a poisonous and a non-poisonous snake? When I was growing up in the, in the mountains, we had to know. So there's, there's things called characteristics to look for in a poisonous snake. The slant of the eyes is different in a poisonous snake. Uh, a poisonous snake has a triangular-shaped head. Some of y'all don't care. Y'all just napalm the first snake you see. But I wasn't allowed to kill black snakes when I was a kid. My daddy would whoop me if I killed a black snake because black snakes kept rats out of the barn. And if I killed a black snake, I, the, he would rather keep the snake and kill the sun. That's I'm just what I'm saying. And I wasn't allowed to kill black snakes, but like copperheads and cotton mouths and things like that we had them and we had to know the difference between them but one of the other things that they'll tell you about poisonous snakes is the most beautiful and brightest colors are on the most venomous snakes doesn't it make sense for the enemy to hide the deadliest venom in the most beautiful disguise there's characteristics in people that you should walk, uh, watch out for, too, unless you want to get poisoned. You know the snake originally walked on legs? Part of the curse, the reason, y'all hate to see a snake. Some of y'all, I start talking about snake, y'all just, I think, slithering around in the grass. I'm going to tell you something, that don't unnerve me at all. I ain't afraid of snakes. I pick them up. I, I displace them. I take them out of one place, put them in another place. But I can't imagine watching have one of them rascals just walk in a room. <laughs> I had an eight-foot black snake. Eight-foot, can you imagine an eight-foot giant snake walking into church some Sunday? <laughs> I ain't intimidate him on the ground, but that rascal had legs. And he's eight-foot six. That's a whole other animal right there. I'm glad God cursed him. I'd hate to be out mowing grass, run into a five-foot snake standing in the yard. And here we are with a snake that used to walk on legs, talking, and Eve's not afraid of him. I mean, who talks to snakes? Seems like she was more comfortable with a snake then she should be. I've done a whole lot of preaching right here. Listen, if you don't run away at the first sight of a walking, talking snake, you have a previous relationship with that rascal. You have a familiarity about him that I do not have. Because I'm telling you right now, as big as I am and as unafraid of snakes I am, if one was in here talking and walking, I'm up out of here. But this obviously was not Eve's first conversation. This is why you got to cut some folks off before they get too close to you because the longer they are in your life, the more foolishness they talk you into. So the enemy disguises himself, hear me, 
with beauty or things you're not afraid of. If the enemy wants to get into your life to give you a poisonous relationship, he disguises himself with something you find attractive or something you're not afraid of. 2 Corinthians 11 and 14 says even Satan, even Satan disguises himself. Disguises himself. Hides himself. Plays, makes believe as an angel of light. He pretends to be something good. People can do that too, you know. They run game on you. They pretend to be good for you, but they ain't. They pretend to have your best interest at heart, but they don't. They pretend to care, but they don't really. They pretend to have high morals, and they don't. They pretend to love the Lord. But Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Just because somebody claims to be a Christian doesn't mean they are. Sitting in a McDonald's don't make me a chicken nugget. And just because somebody comes to church on Sunday, notice Jesus never said you'd know his followers because they confessed. He said you'll know their mind by their fruit. Let's get something straight. The one thing in relationships that you need more than anything is sincerity. There's no problem with folks having issues. Listen, listen. There is not a problem with you having relationships with people that's got issues because guess what? We all got issues. You got issues. I got issues. The person to your right and left, they all got issues. Now theirs is worse than yours. But we all got issues. The problem is when somebody's not sincere about their issues and they disguise them and they hide them trying to get you close enough where they can strike and spread their venom. The Bible says in Genesis 3 and 1, the serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals that the Lord God had made. One day he asked the woman. Step one of a poisonous relationship. How does he get in? He disguises himself. Step one of a poisonous relationship, he gets you to question God's word. Look what the snake said to her. Did God really say? Poisonous relationships always get you to challenge what God says. Oh, the Bible says not to judge. Why do you and all these Christians judge me? Oh, the Bible, the Bible says, the Bible doesn't say that I have to go to church. I love God. I don't have to go to church. The Bible also says in order for you to mature, you've got to have a pastor. And it's funny how the most, the, the, all the people who say they don't need a pastor because they are so mature don't understand. The Bible says you can't get mature without having a pastor. The same Bible that says that you can find God anywhere says you need to be in His house. Oh, everybody has stuff that's wrong. What's the big deal? We love each other. What's the big deal? Everybody has sin. The big deal is you and I don't get to choose what God thinks is a big deal. That's up to Him, and we're supposed to follow His orders. Poisonous relationships challenge God's Word. The second thing they do, poisonous relationships drag you away from your relationship with God, and it uses temptation to do it. The Bible says that Eve saw the fruit, and it was two things. It was beautiful and looked delicious. Dude got six packs, man. Who's, who's still got them? 
I mean, I'm talking about he is fine. I mean, look at her. She wearing that bikini all the time over there. Bathsheba, I mean Sheila, lives next door. It looked beautiful and delicious, so she ate it. I'm about to say the, mo the second most profound thing I'm going to say all morning. You ready for this? What does a poisonous relationship do? Challenges God's Word so it can tempt you. Once she no longer believed in God's Word, she was willing to eat anything. Once the Word lost its authority in her life, there was nothing left to stop her from eating whatever looked good to her. That's why you need to be in church because you need a pastor that will stand behind a pulpit and tell you what you're eating is going to kill you. You can't do it any way you want to because God says... So I've said all that to say this. I'm coming back to Proverbs this is where I started. This is where I'm going to end. Proverbs 13 and 20. Look what he says. Walk with the wise and become wise. Associate with fools and get in trouble. The phrase, walk with, walk with, walk with the wise. Walk with. The phrase, walk with, means this. Transfer. When you are around wise people, there is something happening in your life that you can't even see, and most of the time you don't even realize it's happened until after it's taken place. Because walking with them is rubbing off on you. God told Abraham, he said, I want you to leave your daddy's house and go that way. I'll tell you when to stop. And Abraham did what God told him to do. But then Abraham did something God didn't tell him to do. He took Lot. God didn't tell him to take Lot. But you know what the Bible says about Lot? Because Lot was walking with Abraham, Lot got favor too. Because Lot was around Abraham, traveling with Abraham, traveling with the wise, obedient Abraham, what Abraham was being blessed with was rubbing off on him too. Even though he wasn't even part of God's plan. So walking with means transfer. But if you associate with fools, here's what this means. That word associate means to set boundaries. I'm going to get some help here for a minute up on the stage. To set boundaries. I need these two big rascals standing right here. You are big enough to bear hunt with a switch. Come here, Brother Ryan, if you'll help too. If you guys will just come up on either side of here and just... Kind of hold this. Uh-huh. I need somebody sickly and puny and, 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 and helpless. Like Desiree. Desiree, come here. Desiree. She ain't listening to me. Desiree, come here. I need somebody sickly and puny and helpless. Just come up here. Just stand right here. Just, now, you guys take, take a step forward if you would. Stand behind this. Stand behind this. Okay, no, turn face me. See, I'm going to let you off the bar. You ain't going to have to face them. You just look at me. Okay, now you run around with two people called chaos and confusion. And they're fools. And even though the Lord loves you, 
there's a transfer that's happening from them to you that sets up boundaries in your life. And the Lord loves you, and the Lord's standing on the other side of the boundary saying, Come get some blessing. Come get healing. Come get my love. But because you associate with fools, they have set a boundary around you that you can't get to God through. And you come to church and you hear a pastor preach about how the Lord loves you and how he's got better things for you and you're better than this. And you say, I need that. I want that. But then you leave church and you go associate with the fools again. And you don't realize that the fools have put up a boundary that keeps you from getting to God. You know what you'll see at the end of every year? You'll see commercials that says, come buy a new car. It's the Toyota uh, giveaway celebration last of the year event. You know who, who don't go on sale? Rolls Royce. Go over to K Jewelers and citizens will have buy one, get one 50% off. You know what don't go on sale? Rolex. You know why? Because Rolls Royce and Rolex know what they got. They know what they got. And quality don't go on sale. So you don't get Rolls Royce at a year-end savings event. You don't get Rolex, buy one, get one half off. Because they know what quality means. And the Bible says you are beautifully, fearfully, and wonderfully made. So why are we making Timex decisions with a Rolex destiny? God loves you so much that He doesn't want your association with fools to keep you from what He wants you to become. And I could, and I embarrassed her and I love her. But I could replace Desiree with any person in this room and have you stand behind this mark and tell you God loves you and He calls you to better and He calls you to greater and He says, I want to heal you. I want to prosper you. Come come up higher. Come, come where your faith will explode. Come up where your prayer life is going to chase monsters and, and cause demons to jump out of windows. Come closer where I can prosper you and I can heal you and I can move in your life. But you associate with too many fools and God that is trying to bless you can't get you past the line that they have set up boundaries by. So every person under the sound of my voice, Right now, you need to take stock in yourself. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And the God who created me did not create me to associate with fools. I got one more thought to share with you before I let you go. Because I'm going to tell you why you do it. When you get needy, you're in trouble. 
I'm going to say it again. When you get needy for a touch, when you get needy for somebody to chat with, because you will let your need drive who you choose. And because people want a relationship so bad, they will compromise their values and their future just to have somebody to hold hands with. Just to have somebody to talk to late at night. Why do you think when somebody gets off drugs and goes into rehab, they pluck them out of their environment and put them in a new environment? Because it's not just the drugs they're addicted to. They're also addicted to the folks and the fools that keep funneling that mess to them. And they know that if they can get you plucked away from them, they might have a chance of getting you plucked away from it. But as long as you run with fools, you're going to do fool things. Some of you, your deliverance is going to come in nothing more than you just deciding to walk away from fools. People make the worst choices when they're lonely. When you're lonely, you will make terrible decisions. You don't believe me? Listen to what the wisest man who ever lived says in Proverbs 27 and 7. He says, if you've had enough to eat, even honey won't taste good. But if you're really hungry, you'll eat anything. Lonely, vulnerable people are starving for affection, starving for attention, starving for companionship. Lonely, vulnerable people are starving and are willing to eat anything. Do you want the antidote? And I'll get out of your face. John chapter 4 and verse 3, Jesus says to the woman at the well, Everybody that drinks of this water will get thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water I will give them will never thirst. In other words, if you learn how to fill up on Jesus, He will satisfy the thirst that you've got going on inside of you. I know it gets lonely. I understand. Listen, I totally feel. I, I got married at 19. I've, I've been in a in a in a steady relationship longer than I wasn't one in. I understand. You look at me and say, "You don't know what it's like." I understand. I understand. But I also know that you do not want to sabotage your purpose because you are vulnerable and lonely. If you will learn how to satisfy yourself on Jesus. He will fulfill your every lust and every need. And the right person, uh, I ain't even got time right now to get into it. But if you can get dummy and fool out of your life, Boaz can find his way in. And you will know how and when God was operating the whole time. You praying for Rolex blessings, making Timex choices. I've watched it over and over and over and over again. You come up to the altar and have me and the staff pour oil over your head because you need God to bless you. And you walk right out of this altar and right back to them fools and wonder why God ain't moving the way you want Him to. Pastor, you make it sound like the fools in my life are more powerful than God. No, absolutely not. But God does not force Himself into your situations. And if you have decided that you would rather keep company with fools than to have His blessing on your life, God's willing to step aside and allow fools 
to be fools. I know this is not your typical Sunday morning sermon, but I'm telling you, this is life-giving stuff. There's nothing more important in some of your walk right now than the people that you are keeping company with because I'm going to tell you, it's the one thing holding you back. You already love the Lord. You've already decided that there's things that, that, that you want to do for Him. You've already decided to surrender yourself to Him. What are you doing with them fools? What are you doing associating with them fools? Elisha burned the past. Because he said, there's nothing left for me to go back for. I don't know who I'm talking to, but I just feel in my spirit somebody's being stirred right now. Somebody's being stirred right now. And if it's you, I'm going to ask you to be big and bold. But do it for your destiny. Do it for your purpose. I want you to stand to your feet right where you are. If you're being stirred right now saying, I'm, I've, I've, I'm tired of the past. I want, to, I want tomorrow to look better than yesterday. If there's somebody standing near you, I want you to reach your hand toward them. Begin to pray. Because there is a old saying that says there's a fool born every minute. Some of them fools are out trying to snatch your destiny and your purpose. Lord, in the name of your Son, Jesus, today we decree and declare that we are yours and you are ours. And God, the greatest relationship that I have is the one I have with you. I can't allow anything to sidetrack me, to move me out of my purpose, to move me out of my destiny. I need you, Lord. Tie me to you. Release your goodness. Release your purpose. Release your plan for me. Make me known, God, as someone that followed after you in your hearts full of your wisdom I need you Lord God I'm decreeing and declaring today that you're moving in the heart and the life of someone that God as they stand here today if they are watching by live stream and they have in their heart that they want to serve you I want you to fill them up. I want you to satisfy their desires today. I want you to let them be satisfied in you. I want to I want you God to help them find purpose and determination to follow after you. And let us never thirst after anything but righteousness again in Jesus mighty name. Amen. Amen. Promise of victory. Can you give the Lord a hand clap of praise? I know this isn't a typical Sunday morning service or sermon or message. And that's why preachers don't preach it. Because they don't leave people laid out on the floor. And everybody talk about, wow, the Spirit really moved. Can I tell you when the Spirit has moved the most in my life? I'm going to shock some of you. You're going to think I stopped being Pentecostal. Can I tell you when the Spirit has moved the most in my life? It has never 
been when I was on the floor. It's never been when I was walking pews. It's never been when I was doing a Jericho march. Spirit moved in my life when he spoke to me and convicted me and told me there was some stuff in me that he wasn't pleased with and I had to choose. Listen, Jonathan, the time will come. If you try to hold on to the flesh and the spirit, the time will come when you have to choose. You're going to go with Saul to the battlefield and die there? Or you're going to keep that God connection with the Spirit and be blessed in the Father's house? If Jonathan would have stayed with David, he would have kept his daddy's house and been blessed until he died. Instead, he went with the flesh onto the battlefield and he lost everything. One day you'll have to choose. It may not be today. But hear the voice of this preacher. One day, you'll have to choose. Why don't you make it today? Why don't you make your decision today that I'm going to go with God? I'm going to, go, I'm going to keep the things of the Spirit and let the things of the flesh. You know what? I was going to let you go. But there's somebody in this building. You got a soul tie with somebody. You've got a flesh tie with somebody. It's messing you up. And make no mistake about it, if you don't get rid of it, you'll die on the battlefield with it. I don't do this very often. Somebody in this building, and I think it's probably more than one somebody's, you've been dismissing me all morning because you don't think they're a fool. But the Bible's definition of a fool is this. They've said in their heart, there is no God. The beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. So who you walking with, if they ain't afraid of God, and let's be honest, doing what you're doing with them, they ain't afraid of the Lord. You're getting soul ties with folks that are going to lead you onto the battlefield, and there you will die with your decisions. You better make a decision and you better do it quick to let go of that flesh. I don't care how fine they are. I don't care how addicted you are to them. You better make that decision sooner rather than later. That I'm not willing to. I'm not. Hear me, hear me, hear me. Whoever it is in your life, you need to decide today, I'm not willing to die for you. They're not worth dying for. Especially considering he's the one that died for you. You're going to have to decide. It may not be today. But the time will come when you'll have to make up a decision. Do I go with the flesh? Or do I go with the spirit? That's it. That's all. That's all the Lord made me say. I didn't want to get all somber before I let you go. I wanted to let you leave on a cheerful note, but somebody needs to, somebody in this reckless generation that ain't nobody calling nobody out for no, nothing, you need to hear what daddy pastor is saying to you this morning, and you need to cut some folks out of your life because they are going to be the end of you. It's not just your purpose and your destiny you need to worry about, it's your eternity. It's where that flesh soul tie is going to take you and deposit you when this life is over. 
Don't keep coming to church and playing nice with Jesus during the week, uh, on Sunday when all week long you're dancing with the devil. Cut that mess out of your life. They're not worth it. But you are. If you're wondering what I'm doing, I'm trying to save the life. I stepped out of my bishop robe and put on my life uh, guard gear. I'm trying to save somebody's life here. I'm not going to call you up. Don't get nervous. Some of y'all done switched seats three times. I'm not going to call you up. I'm going to let this stew in you. I've out-preached my welcome a long time ago, but I needed to say this. I'm going to let you leave, but I'm going to let you take this word with you. They're not worth it. Next time you get ready to kiss them lips, I hope you hear my voice. I hope I show up in that car. Let it be, Holy Ghost. Next time you get ready to grab hold of them and you know you ain't supposed to be squeezing on them, I hope you hear me saying they ain't worth it. Stop it. I don't want you to hear the voice of the Lord. I want you to hear me. They ain't worth it. Father, in the name of your Son, Jesus, let this word be settled forever in us as it is in heaven. You're a good, good Father, and you love us tremendously. We don't even understand the scope and the breadth of your love for us. Because of that, Lord, we take it for granted too often, but today, Lord, we've been reminded that you love us and you have a purpose for us. Let us walk in it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. You still love me, promise of victory. I hope you still love me. God bless you today. Love on each other. Tell somebody you're glad to see them today.